This is Prayer Room Companion, episode 81, recorded December 14th, 2011. Our Lady of Guadalupe. Welcome to Prayer Room Companion. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm the well-read Father Andrew Dickinson. Hey, Father. Nice to see you. How is this? The, uh, just Okay, by the way, last week we didn't talk weather. I just want to point that out for listeners. If you missed last week's podcast, listen to it. Because Shame on you. We did not talk about the weather. I'm going to make up for it because, Father, I, it, we're getting too close to Christmas, and it's brown here in Zoo Falls. Are, you, I, I think you're probably similar, aren't you? No snow. Do, do you have any snow? Very, uh, very brown here. And uh, just very dry and feels like I'm in Denver again. Yeah. Yeah, but at least in Denver, I mean, I know it melts, but you get some of the white stuff for at least a little while, didn't you? Wouldn't you? Yeah, but I mean, it'd melt like almost if you get it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So this is just I don't you know and and I'm we're gonna be I'm going home for Christmas uh, and I don't know if there's any snow there either so uh, we are getting rain today if this if it were cold enough we'd probably get have some nice snow on the ground but no no <laughs> so oh well actually yeah and I I just went for a run outside this morning and that was very nice no rain in Brookings today uh, a little bit of rain but no it's not it's just more of a mist. Okay, gotcha. So we are in, the, just, d- despite what the uh, the uh, meteorological conditions are, it is the third week of Advent. So we are uh, we are approaching the great solemnity of the Nativity. Um, and Father and I, um, we we decided, as you may know if you listen, um, at least on occasionally, we we do a. Uh, a book review, or we'll we'll read a book um, and then talk about it. Uh, we we read occasionally, book, but rarely, twice. Well, yeah, but we just agreed to this in August. So, to oh, yeah. in my mind, since we said, okay, let's do this, let's do this. Uh, since we said, let's do this um, twice, is occasionally. No, I suppose. I mean, granted, in the year plus that we've been doing it, only twice would be rare. But anyway. Um, so the first one we reviewed was um, Jay Brzezewski's book. What was it called again? Uh, you asked me to remember things? What We Can't Not Know, A Guide. That was what we did. We did that review back in, oh, September-ish. Uh, yeah, two, two Actually, parts. we did two weeks of it. Yeah, yeah, we did. It was so so rich and good. Um, and so the book that we are going to talk about today is uh, by Carl Anderson, who is the Supreme Knight of the Knights of Columbus, um, and Monsignor Eduardo Chavez, who is the postulator of the cause of St. Juan Diego. Father, what's a postulator? Does he postulate? The, uh, that is a person assigned to... Uh, well, postulate is a proposal, isn't it? If I remember my geometry. Very good, right. yes, yes, yes. So uh, the postulator is the uh, priest assigned by the bishop of uh, the diocese in which there's someone who's causes up for canonization. So that bishop wants to promote the cause of a man or a woman for canonization, so he assigns a priest who does all the investigations and does a lot of the uh, proposing of that person's life to the uh, congregation for the ca- for the canonization of saints in Rome. Okay. Um, real quick, does it... Does it is it always a priest or is that just is that is that uh, required or is it just most commonly a priest? 
That's, I, I don't know. I'm curious. Most commonly, I'd imagine it's probably... I imagine, I suppose it could be a uh, laywoman. I, I, I'm just... I'm not sure. I, I, uh, I never thought about that before until you mentioned it. Okay. Um, so the, so Monsignor Chavez is the postulator for the cause of St. Juan Diego, um, which might give a hint at the book. The, the, the title of the book, then, is Our Lady of Guadalupe, Mother of the Civilization of Love. So this is a book about, um, first, about the apparitions of Mary, the Mother of God, to uh, a... Uh, some call the, I, I don't know, a Native American uh, from Mexico um, uh, in the 16th century, Juan Diego, uh, which was his baptized name. Um, uh, so this is apparitions that happened, hap, happened over a few days, and then there was a miracle that happened at the end of them that we could that we'll, we'll certainly talk about. Um, but but it's a book that they wrote about this, talking about the miracle, but then even more about its meaning. Um, its implications, maybe, for for the church in the Americas, that is, North, Central, and South America. Um, how how Mary's appearance to Juan Diego in the 16th century has significance for, in many ways, certainly for, for people of the entire world, but particularly for people, and, and in a particular way, members of the church living in the, the, the Americas, the North, again, North, Central, and South America. Um, so I don't know. I, it, it's a really interesting book um, for me in particular. I mean, I, I, I was familiar with. I knew the basics of the um, the apparition um, of Mary um, in Mexico to Juan Diego, but I found it really an interesting book because it, um, well, for the implications that it drew out. We'll talk a little bit about that, um, Father. Any sort of introductory remarks or comments that you had uh, based on what on what you read? Um, what is in the introductory side, just uh, drawing out what you said there, Pope, it was, uh, Blessed Pope John Paul II, who uh, was uh, the one who um, would say that, uh, or made that phrase, of, uh, of, the, of one continent of the Americas. Right. And so, and so she, of course, then would be the patroness of the Americas. Right. You know, I mean, just even this ge geographical fact that aside from a silly little canal, um, there is an unbroken landmass, isn't there, from Alaska yep. to, to yep. Tierra de, de Fuego? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, certainly there are, I mean, uh, geographically speaking, there are two continents, but as you said there, it's an unbroken la landmass from top to bottom, so to speak, north to south. Um, yeah, and, and um, there's a document, I've, I, I confess I've never read in its entirety. Father, have you, have you ever read Ecclesia in America? I have not, but I was really tempted to after uh, reading this book. Yeah, so Ecclesia in America, leading up to the Jubilee and then afterwards even, continuing, um, the, the synod of bishops that are held every few years with bishops from, well, a representative sampling of bishops, sometimes from around the world, um, meet together to talk about it, um, an issue the Holy Father and the bishops decide is worth reflection. Uh, leading up to the Great Jubilee, the... the um, the synods were held not about an issue, but they were more of a, a, a issue or issues pertaining to churches in specific geographic areas. And so one of them was the synod of the church in the Americas um, and, and the, the post-synodal apostolic exhortation was called Ecclesia in America, the church in America. And that's where, you know, as, as we were saying, Father John Paul II 
Blessed John Paul II, the author of that document, um, referred to the church in the Americas, uh, referred to Our Lady of Guadalupe as the patroness of the Americas uh, in that way. And so, so it's a document that I've read in part, but I, I, I too was, um, I, I thought, you know, I knew, I, I really have to go back and finish that document. Um, you know, unfortunately, I don't know, Father, what your experience is this way. For me, there's so much, so much great stuff that maybe I read or, or in whole or in part, but I need to do a better job of assimilating um, the church documents and allowing them to soak in and, and shape and form me in a greater way, uh, which sometimes means returning to them and either finishing them or reading them again. Dare I say something, though? Yeah, please. Be patient. Mm. Yeah, uh, you want to elaborate on that? Well, just I mean, I used to I used to always feel that way, kind of just about like, my own knowledge of the faith or things like that. And, oh man, I mean, how did these one people get to know all these different things and get so much wisdom? And oh, they're older than me by ten years or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways. Yes, yes, that's an excellent point and good advice, especially during the Advent seating. Wait, wait for the Lord. Hoping him still beats stout-hearted, etc. Yeah. Um, so anyway, but back to this book. I, I again, I, for me, um, both I, I don't know, theologically, catechetically, and spiritually, I, I really enjoyed this book. For me, I've been looking for in my own Marian devotion. You know, what is the specific path, the spe specific shape or form of my Marian devotion? And it's something that, um, with varying degrees of intensity, I've been thinking and praying about for several years now. Um, and I think for me, um, this might actually be it, Mary, um, as specifically Our Lady of Guadalupe um, and her her appearances and what she revealed, in a sense, um, to to Saint Juan Diego. Um, but we can get into that. Anything else, Father? In terms, of, I, I, I don't know if I interrupted you earlier. Introductory comments, or uh, you want to just look a little bit about at the text itself. Well, I think maybe just to echo you in that sense, uh, I, I made a pilgrimage to the Shrine of Our Lady Guadalupe in the United States in La Crosse, Wisconsin, um, back in October uh, with some students. And I was really uh, impressed by it there, you know, getting to know of it more than, as more than just uh, something for the Mexican people. Right. You know, in some ways, you know, it's kind of an odyssey, uh, an oddity, maybe a little bit, oh, Our Lady Guadalupe for them, and... You know, maybe the uh, Portuguese have Our Lady of Fatima, and, you know, the French have Our Lady of Lourdes. But no, I mean, she's really for us in the United States just as much because we're in America. I think yeah. and I'd like to, maybe we can get into some of those thoughts a little more as we go forward. Okay. But just, uh, yeah, that's more than just, in fact, like I, I said Mass in Spanish on Monday for the college students. I said to them, you know, I mean, we just as well should say Mass in English for Our Lady, by the way, because she's ours as well. Exactly. Yeah, she, yeah, and that's that's what I part of what I, I came to realize because I had the, sort of the, a similar approach that Our Lady of Guadalupe is is um, maybe more particularly um, a, a way to venerate Mary for Mexicans or for Hispanics in general than it is for Anglo's or Anglo Americans, and and that's as you said that's definitely not the case. And, and again, for me, it's growing in that realization, the understanding. Um, as you said, she's the uh, patroness of the Americas again, not just of Mexico or Central America or South America. So, so anyway, the, but the book itself, um, after the introduction, there are three parts. And just uh, for the sake of the listener, the, the first part, the first four chapters, the title of the first part is Approaching an Apparition. 
Um, so looking a little bit at the nature of the apparition itself and then some of its immediate meaning. Uh, part two, uh, chapters five, six, and seven is titled Christ, a life-changing event. And so sort of the, the significance of what um, the apparitions, what Our Lady of Guadalupe tells us about Christ and the importance of always leading us to him. And then part three, um, unified in dignity. Um, and so what, what uh, the meaning of, of Our Lady of Guadalupe and those apparitions have for, for our understanding of the nature of the human person. Um, those are the three parts. And, and just in summary, I guess, so the apparitions, December 9th to December 12th in 15, I think, 31, uh, were the, the, just over those few days, that's when Mary appeared to this, again, this, this middle class sort of peasant uh, Mexican, uh, Juan Diego, it's, that was his baptismal name again. He, he and his wife, who had passed away by 1531, um, had, had joined the church, had become Christian as adults. This is, of course, not long after um, the Americas had been discovered by Columbus, and then Cortez, uh, his conquest of the Aztecs and so on. Um, so it's not long after that. So Christianity, uh, un particularly Catholicism, is something still very new um, to, to the Americas. And um, Juan Diego and his wife, again, um, were converts as, as adults. And Juan Diego is one is on his way actually to, to um, what is today uh, Mexico City to further his catechetical catechetical formation to grow in his understanding and, and Mary appeared to him on this hilltop um, over over these four days. Um, are there anything from the apparitions themselves uh, and then maybe talking about you know the sort of what happened at the end that, that struck you as you re were reading the book? Yeah and, and this is the, this is the second uh, read through I've had on the apparitions in the Tilma. I read a great book uh, after my trip in October uh, by I believe it's William uh, Carroll, he's the uh, now deceased uh, founder of Christendom College in Virginia, mm -hmm. Catholic University in Virginia, very Orthodox University. He has a history book on Our Lady of Guadalupe and the Conquest of Darkness, I believe it's yeah. called. Um, but very interesting book there. So what struck me is uh, how she mentors Juan Diego. And how she uh, how she disciples him in the even these brief apparition accounts, um, and that she meets his needs and she walks with him in things, even seeking him out. Uh, one of the little details of the apparitions is that uh, she saw him on the ninth and on the tenth, and uh, and then he was supposed to come back to her on the eleventh, but his uncle was sick, and so he stayed with his uncle, who he cared for very much. And on the twelfth, he was actually going to find help, a priest, to bring the sacraments uh, to his uncle, who he thought was dying. And so he's avoiding Tepeyac Hill, uh, the place where Lady Guadalupe has been yep. uh, appearing to him, where the Blessed Mother has been appearing to him. So he avoids it, and she comes down the hill. He sees her coming down the hill, not walking, but like floating. Right. Yeah. And she's like, you know, where are you going, my son? And uh, she reaches out to him, comforts him, you know, God's providing. Come on, let's go do this. And I thought it was just kind of a marvelous little example in that sense of discipleship. Yeah, it, I I, th I had some of the same thoughts as well. You know, I don't I don't know if he's avoiding in the sense that he doesn't want to see her, but he's really concerned about his uncle um, and and for for the culture at the time for for his culture. You know, this is an elder and 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 somebody who um, 
as an elder is possesses wisdom and sort of carries on the culture and so it's it's uh, your the uncle plays a particularly important role in general for the cult, his culture at that time and his uncle was also um, his name's Juan Bernardino um, and so he was uh, uh, a, a Christian as well and so that particular bond that they also had uh, natural but then supernatural as well um, and so he's really concerned about him it's not that he doesn't want to see rabies as you said he's, he's trying to get um, a priest to, to bring the sacraments for his uncle who's very ill and Mary um, comes to him and, and expresses her concern um, and then at the same time she also appears after, after that to um, Juan Bernardino and and um, heals him, cures him, I believe, if I recall correctly. Uh, he 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 was well after that. Certainly, if, if it wasn't miraculous, um, she she appeared to him as well. Um, anything else from the uh, the apparitions bef before we get to the tilma that struck you? Uh, no, I think that's uh, okay. That's good, yeah. So, just another quick thing is when she first appeared to him to Juan Diego. She she tells him to go to the bishop um, and, and tell him to, that that she asks has asked that a church be built um, on this hill on Tepeyac Hill or, or, or right near at the base of the hill maybe um, and so of course he goes to the bishop and and what he who is he he's he's a maybe not a poor middle class, he's just a middle class peasant though he's not aristocracy um, he's he's not learned he's not schooled um, and uh, he. In this, or I think maybe the second apparition, he's like, you know, who am I to do this? Um, I'm, 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 I'm a nobody. But Mary encourages him. Um, and, and, and in the book later, um, Anderson and, and Monsignor Chavez, make a, they point to the significance of that. That once again we see how God works through the humble and the lowly mm -hmm. and those who aren't rich or powerful mm -hmm. or the most intelligent. Um, that 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 he works through these means, and what that tells us about God, and then they also point in the book out the significance that Juan Diego was and remained a layman, um, and therefore the the significance of uh, and the importance that that the laity take up their responsibility um, to do God's will, to be evangelists uh, in a particular way, but just in general that we are called, um, along with certainly the ordained and religious, to seek God's will and to be His messengers. Um, in our daily lives, uh, however we're called to do that. So anyway, so a couple trips, but the leading up to, and there's really doubting, of course, the bishop, like, who is this guy? And um, and uh, the the final time after when Mary comes down and, and visits one day and, and tells him, you know, she tells him to go up and, and collect some flowers from the top of of the hilltop. And again, this is December. It's it's Mexico, but still, it's it's chilly. Uh, but there are these flowers growing on the top of the hill. He collects them, and he, he puts them in his tilma. And Father, you referred to the tilma earlier. What is what is a tilma? Well, the tilma was uh, was a cloak uh, worn by Juan Diego that was made out of a very uh, poor uh, cactus fiber cloth. And so, sort of an outer garment that was, I mean, everybody wore. It's standard issue clothing, so to speak, for... Well, not everyone, only the poor people. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. All right. I think it's more of the poor people. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so he collects the flowers, um, these frankly miraculous flowers in the tilma, um, and and goes to bring them to the bishop, and he opens them, uh, and he he drops his tilma to to show the bishop the flowers, 
Uh, and when, I'm, I'm sure the listener may know, but Father, what what, what happened when, when the, he did that? Uh, well, uh, uh, I got lost a little bit in your question there, but when he put the flowers in or? No, when when Juan Diego went to um, the okay. bishop. Well, two things happened. First is as he sought to gain entry to the uh, bishop's uh, compound, the um, they tried to get in. Uh, uh, they wanted to see the flowers. Uh, some of the people around the gates, and these are people that the bishop had sent to kind of follow after him. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, before, um, back on December tenth, and uh, he had somehow eluded them. They wanted to follow him back to Tepeyac Hill and see what he was really seeing. And uh, so they reach out to try and grab the the roses in his tilma. And when they reach for them, it turns out that they're actually painted on at this point. Right. It appears like the flowers are painted on, and so they can't uh, they can't grab them. And then um, he goes back in and enters into the bishop's presence, and he drops the tilma to the ground to show the uh, show the roses. And the roses are now real, and they come tumbling out, Castilian roses. Uh, Spanish roses that weren't yet planted in Mexico hadn't been brought over, and uh, uh, drops down the tilma, and now there's the image of Nuestro uh, Señora de Guadalupe uh, so, on the uh, on the tilma. So this obviously, well, not necessarily obviously, a miraculous image. Juan Diego had not painted it in the the. The time between when he saw Mary and brought it—it was this miraculous image that he was surprised as anyone to see, um, that uh, of Mary as she had appeared to him, now present on his cloak, on his tilma. Um, so, apart from the miraculous nature in terms of its how it happened, there are some other aspects of the of the the, the image on the tilma that are fascinating. Father, did you um, either the reading or when you went to La Crosse? Um, some of those details at all? You familiar with those? Yeah, uh, very familiar. In fact, I preached about them on uh, Monday for the uh, Feast of Our Lady. Um, and uh, just marvelous, um, uh, the different things. Uh, boy, you know, it's, yeah. and it's actually, it's, it's, it's so rich, the Tilma. I probably preached for maybe 20 minutes on it. Wow. And, you know, barely covered uh, just a couple points. Um, golly gee. So what's my favorite part? I'd say it's the flowers uh, on her tilma itself, not the roses that Juan Diego picked and she arranged and he walked off with. Um, but rather the, the, the flowers on the tilma itself. And also because this is the great thing kind of um, litmus test, if you will, of whether or not you have a true image of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Um, and he uh, he tells a story in there, and I'd heard other people tell this before about you know some people do an artist representation of Our Lady Guadalupe that isn't a true representation mm. of um, the actual tilma, actual image. But so on her uh, on her dress, her dress is painted in three dimensions, and so there's like a flow to the fabric and things like that. You can see ebb and flow on things, but uh, over the front of her dress, her pink dress. Is almost like these is these golden flowers, and it's almost like she is. Sta- uh, but those flowers do not flow with the dress, even though they look like they're on the dress. They don't flow with the dress. Um, <clears throat> one priest I was talking to about it said it's almost like she's standing behind a wrought iron fence. Mm, you know, right, in the sense right. that it's it's superimposed over her dress and it ends with her dress, but it's not on her dress in a sense. Right. And these flowers are part of the sacred language 
of uh, and uh, there's three different types of flowers on the dress. There is a there's one four petal flower, eight eight petal flowers, and nine uh, bunches of flowers uh, that are and and each of these three things are exactly the same in how they appear each time, although they might be rotated differently. Right. Um, four petal flower uh, represents divinity, represents the god above all gods, the gods they didn't have access to, the gods they couldn't or pardon me, the god that they didn't have access to. They could access lower gods to whom they offered their horrific uh, live human sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, uh, uh, but then the, uh, but the god they couldn't access was the god who had real power, but they could never really access him, that he was removed from them. So that four-petal flower is over her womb. And right. she's, and her Aztec apparel, she's wearing Aztec apparel, she's dressed, um, with uh, uh, wearing a belt, all Aztec women would wear a belt, but when they're pregnant, the belt would be above their weight, above their stomach. It'd be below right. their stomach when they weren't pregnant, above their stomach when they're pregnant. So she's dressed as a, pres- a pregnant woman with this flower right above her room as if to signify that here lies the God above all gods and he's coming to you in some way. Right. right. Um, so that's one of my f- favorite things about uh, the image itself. Also, if I, uh, well, if you want to see some of the flowers, otherwise I have one other small thing that I love about it. I do. That was, well, just a, sort of a, um, you know, amen to you. This was one aspect of the apparition I, I didn't know at all about until I, I read this book. The, the, um, the fact of the, uh, the two-dimensional image of all mm-hmm. of these flowers and then their significance, some of the things you alluded to there, um, uh, and, and maybe you're going to speak to those as well, but it, um, it's a, the Anderson and, and Monsignor Chavez describe it. It's a codex. It's it's the, got the glyphs and other symbols that were used in Aztec language. So the flowers and, and some of the other shapes that are that are on um, these that these flowers portray or are portrayed by the flowers um, are symbols in the language, so to speak, of the Aztecs. Uh, and, and the significance of all of those, the, the example you gave was just fascinating to me itself, that, that one flower and what it represents and the fact, as you said, that it's, that it's right over um, or above her womb. Uh, but what else were you going to say? Well, the other thing uh, that I love about the image then, too, is uh, her appearance, her countenance, her face. Um, <clears throat> and they point this out in the book, and I've heard this pointed out otherwhere as well, that she is a muscado. Uh, she's not white like the European Spanish, and she isn't uh, uh, of the darker skin of the native Aztecs. Rather, she's a mix between the two. So it's she appears to be the child of Spanish and Aztec parents, of mixed parents in that sense. So she's saying, I'm, in me, I'm trying to bring together the Aztec and the Spanish people. Right, right. Yeah, just that significance um, of who she's representing there as well. Or what, what she's representing. Uh, there are a ton of details about it um, that they get into in the in the book. Um, one of the things this is about the image itself, but the consequences of it that that, uh, that are amazing. Uh, but I don't think um, many people either realize or realize the significance of. Uh, you know, up to that point, because of of frankly the the behave the bad behavior the, the, the Spanish the first the, the first um, the conquistadors and so on did many good things but many not so good things as well and because of the not so good things um, you know the, the the work that the missionaries were trying to do of bringing Jesus Christ to to the natives to the Aztecs and others um, was not going very well but after the apparition of Our Lady of Guadalupe 
million, like nine million Indians became Christian um, in the years within the decade. I think following the operations of Our Lady of Guadalupe, um, nine million. And I've heard, I think I've heard that before, but they they drive home the significance of of, of the the evangelization that arose as a result of these apparitions of Our Lady of Guadalupe. So, um, that just struck me. Um, and the other thing is, I said that, that, that uh, in the book they get into this, the, so with evangelization, with the dignity of the human person, you know, the significance she's she's pregnant. Um, one of Our Lady of Guadalupe's other titles is she's the patroness of the unborn. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so, the, just this, this is one of the few instances where um, it, it's Mary and Jesus, but in an apparition, but we don't see him because he's in the womb, um, and and so just the the the, the significance of that. Um, a lot of other things they get into that, that just fascinate in terms of again the implications. Again, Juan Diego being a, a, a layman who strived to do God's will and. Uh, even as a, you know, in a sense of nobody, um, the unborn, the importance of building a civilization of love, um, de definitely, Father, a, a lot of, of fruit there for reflection and meditation for us as, as individual Catholics, but also, again, for the Church in the Americas. Very much so. And, and even just, I think, the Church in the world in a certain sense. But right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Another book that I got um, recently as well, um, is by a German journalist, uh, Paul Bada. Uh, it's called Maria of Guadalupe, Shaper of History, Shaper of Hearts. Uh, but I've just barely started with that one, so I'm, I am um, excited about reading that one in light of having read this first book already. And then, yeah, I, I need to read Carol's book as well, Warren Carroll's book. So, uh, Father, anything else that you wanted to, to share for, based on your reading of the book? Not today that I can think of. All right. Um, so uh, we will be back next week. Father uh, will be otherwise engaged, taking some time to prepare for Christmas. Um, but I'll be back next week with a guest host. Um, and we'll see you then on Prayer Room Companion. Thanks and God bless. <laughs>